Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. This is Four Center. With me is, well, Joseph Scrimshaw sipping on some 12-year Glenn Levitt. 
Yay! <laughs> Twelve years. Twelve years. Long gone. And Jennifer Landon not sipping on anything but cold, refreshing water. That's right. But this glass, you guys, I wish you could see this glass. I've never seen this before. It is a, a play on the Haunted Mansion yeah. from nice. Disneyland. But it has the ghosts of uh, Anakin, Yoda, and Obi-Wan, and uh, Bright Tree Village in the background. Yeah. And I, Joseph's got the Hoth one. I've got the Space Slug one. I Falcon. love these. Yes. Uh, these were a gift from a friend of mine, Jessica. Got them at Disneyland. So you oh. can get them. You can go to Disney. And yeah. get them. pick them up. If you want to see the word Star Wars spelled out in kind of tiki style. <laughs> I <laughs> This love is the these. place for you. Yes. That's it. Is. That it is. Guys, we're here to t- discuss a lot of stuff. It's so funny how... Suddenly there's nothing, and then one day, boom, boom. Yeah. Entertainment Weekly drops picture after picture, <laughs> and they did it almost hour by hour, which makes covering breaking news very hard. It was like a <laughs> carpet bombing, like the noise it you was. made. It was. It's like, okay, I think we, we recovered from that, and yeah. now 15 feet away from that is this. Uh, but a lot of uh, tasty morsels in it, but also maybe two many morsels. Yeah. Uh, that's always up for debate, and I know Ryan Johnson and, and Mark Hamill seem to have an opinion about that. And we're going to talk about that as part of our main show this week, but also have other news dropping up. A lot of things going on. Buckle in. This is going to be a fun show. Jennifer, let's dive right on. Yeah, so the first thing that was a big news was last week Disney announced that it will be creating its own streaming service mm. and pulling its content from Netflix. CEO Bob Iger said that if a movie is Pixar or Disney branded, it will probably appear exclusively on Disney's new streaming service. However, Netflix is saying that the two companies are still in talks about the future of Marvel and Star Wars content. So regardless, Bob Iger is calling the move a strategic shift in the way that they distribute their content. (laughs) (laughs) Strategic strategic shift. He just does sound like a toddler talking about going to the bathroom. I know, right? I mean, this this is pretty huge. And it will actually launch the same year as Galaxy's Edge 20 2019. Mm. It's going to be a big Star Wars year. Yeah. So what do you guys make of this power play by Disney? It's, to me, number one, it's slightly confusing because the follow-up stuff and Netflix like, no, 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 we're still negotiating. And anything, yeah, Pixar movie, Toy Story 4 and, and Frozen 2, yep, that'll go on the Disney service. But we still might get this and we still might have the Marvel TV shows and all that. So it's... It's confusing, but overall, this is the way of the way of the world. This is the entertainment world, I should say, where, yeah, now every company is going to be like, we want our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the begun the streaming wars have. And I think with <laughs> yes. Disney, they already yeah. have, and a lot of the ones are already falling. CISO, the comedy one, already collapsed. Right. You know, I think yeah. all of us in the entertainment industry here in Los Angeles have touched something that has already <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> I have worked uh, for... Uh, yeah, and I worked for the Comic-Con yeah. HQ, which was also just... Just being like everybody had that brief moment we're streaming yeah but the difference here is that disney might be big enough yeah. like the market is fractured it is too fractured yeah uh but disney might be the one who's big enough to say yeah and you know while we're taking over everything we'll also screw you netflix for taking marvel and star wars too oh. yeah i think that's what's going to happen eventually yeah mm, yeah and I, I think this will be how they launch a star wars live action tv show without a doubt this yeah. is that, why would you not do it any other way? Yeah. yeah. That that's going to make me spend 10 to $15 a month. Oh my god. 
gosh, we're going to all be spending $10 to $15 a month on all these different streaming services. It's yeah. kind of crazy how much yeah. Disney owns when you really think about it. And so then yeah. how is that going to change? Like traditional cable and Disney XD and all these other channels. And I mean, there's going to be a lot of ex- air quotes, exclusive content only on the Disney streaming service. And I find myself looking back for the golden days of, of you know, three channels on my TV. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I love all this stuff. I love all this content, but it's like, it's like, oh, hey, are you watching uh, this show? What, what channel is that on? Oh, the audience network. And it only airs on Tuesdays. Like yeah. the whole network. Like it's this it's weird. The Rabbit Ears network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And everyone's got original content and everything. And it's a great time to be a creator. Great time to get your voice out there. But uh, on the big level, yeah, WB might go, oh, well, we have some stuff. And, you know, CW, next thing you know. Everyone in the world, much like I pay from HBO now, I pay for my WWE network, and they were one of the first to really do it on a big, big level, and it's and it's only grown. So I don't know, but I still have my DirecTV hooked up. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Star Wars fans is, I think, since the market is so shattered, mm-hmm. they're not going to do a separate Star Wars channel, is my bet. Mm, right. right. Because why would they? Why, why wouldn't they just want to get everything under this roof and be one of the biggest streaming Right, and that could be a, a, clearly a subcategory on this. You get the Disney streaming, there's the Star Wars tab, and yeah. you and I and Jennifer and all of us and Mike Black and Mark Riley and all of our friends are just going to sit there watching it. Or maybe it's just a dollar extra oh, per month. Yeah. Just a dollar extra for oh, the Star no. Wars. An extra dollar for the Marvel. Uh, you pay the basic, you just get the Muppet show that everybody hated. Besides that. <laughs> right. uh, and and uh, 2019, right? Yeah, so, 2019. I wonder if we'll start hearing rumors of a show. Probably. I think so. I mean, Dis- sounds like Disney XD will probably still be running, so I imagine the new animated series will still be on Disney XD, but that's another yeah. thing. We don't know exactly when that new animated series is coming. Exactly. Yeah. This might shift everything that we've been expecting. So That's true. Get Are we ready. Out? 2019. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about actor Donald Glover, who always has a ton of gems in his interviews, uh, like the one he did recently with The Hollywood Reporter. For example, he said that when he met with Billy D. Williams to go over for the character of Lando, he had a ton of ideas and questions on Lando's motivations and backstory. But when he asked Billy D what his thoughts were on the character, Billy D said, Yeah, I don't know about all that. Just be charming. <laughs> so he also said that the change on the Han Solo set has been very dramatic now that Ron Howard has taken over. He said it's clear that Howard has a vision. But he also feels self-doubt knowing that he was not Ron Howard's first choice. He was the previous director's choice Mm. for the role of Lando. Um, Mm. He also said that he doesn't know everything that went down with Lord Miller leaving, but he compared it to feeling like the youngest child in the divorce. So this is a really interesting point, and I wonder Mm. how that trans, like, like knowing that, you know, this new this new great director, he Ron Howard has a vision, and Donald uh, Glover made yeah. that very clear. He has a very a vision, but knowing that maybe you're not a part of that vision, like maybe he would have chosen a different actor. Like I wonder how that translates on film. I don't know. I mean, they're all professionals, so it, it's it's a weird situation, of course, because I, I, when I'm hearing that, and I read that this week, and you know. Donald, Donald, of all the actors, I believe he's the only one that would not know what was going on. <laughs> like he'd yeah. be one in the corner, like whatever. I'm off doing my genius stuff and uh, and having some fun. So uh, I believe him when he says he doesn't really know. If anyone else, if Alden Ehrenreich was like, I don't know what happened, I'd be like, you know what happened because you probably caused what happened. Yeah. Um, but with Donald, uh, I I've never thought of it in those terms because it it's such a weird situation. It wasn't like Ron Howard. I don't know. He just seems like the guy. I'd be like. They cast you as Lando? Cool. 
cool. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. Right. I think comedians know how to use self-deprecating humor yeah. to deflect. And that's what mm. this seems like to me yes. of like this whole article is very honest and Donald Clover is always very honest. Yeah. And I think he probably wants to respect whatever he's being threatened with with Lucasfilm yeah. to mm. not talk about the situation. Yeah. So how can I make this better? I can make it about me and I can make it jokes about me. So that's what we talk about, not... Donald Glover said this about how different their visions are. It's a a really good, really charming way to deflect. And I'm sure there's an element of truth to it, Uh but it also has that value of, that's a great deflection. Yeah, Uh yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely right. Very deft. Yeah. Yeah. I love the charming... Yes, too, because that is, I think, the the growth of Star Wars in a nutshell. Like you know that we all we know the backstory of every little character. Back in the day, Billy D. Williams was just like, "What? You want me to do what? Oh, I like ladies, and I'm a little shifty. Got it." It's all in, he doesn't need to know what planet he was born on. He doesn't yeah. need to know what the Battle of Canab was. <laughs> right, you know, right. And that, that's just so great to have that cool repackaged that. in a nutshell. Like, <laughs> I got one word for you. Charming. Yeah. Charming, right. man. You just, you just got to be Billy D. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that fits, too. That fits like Billy D. I was reading that article. This That story came out. It was like back in 1980 where an interview and, and, and Billy D just spoiled the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> how charming. Yeah. Because oh. I was like, yeah, so how do you how do you like playing a villain? He's like, villain? Villain? I, I turn things around, man, after Han gets captured and everything. Like, oh, it was just, he's just like, how dare you call me a villain? I'm cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see Donald Glover's take on Lando. Yeah. And his role is going to be smaller. So I love that he had so many questions about the backstory and the motivations and things yeah. like that. You know, and he, even though he probably only has a couple scenes, but I like his commitment. Yeah, it's great. Well, let's talk about something that caused a kerfuffle on the internet. <laughs> Good Star Wars kerfuffle. Yeah. Is Captain Rex and Return of the Jedi once and for all? Not yet. This all started back in 2016 when after the premiere screening of the Star Wars Rebels Season 2 finale, Dave Filoni said that he believes Rex is that bearded old guy on Endor. Quote, I'm going to make that happen. I'm getting like Palpatine. I'm getting power crazy. End quote. Uh, flash forward to last week when Star Wars Rebels writer Stephen Melching tweeted an image of Cap's, uh, Captain Rex concept art alongside a photo of the old guy in Return of the Jedi, known as uh, Nick Sant in Legends. And the caption said, this is happening. Hashtag Star Wars Rebels. Hashtag old Captain Rex. After that, fans <laughs> freaked out. They were excited. They some were angry. Uh, Stephen Melching later deleted his tweet and clarified that if Captain Rex was at the Battle of Endor, it's still just a theory. So this theory keeps getting new life. How do you guys feel about this particular type of retcon? Uh, about I mean, that, I, that retcon? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had to ask Joseph off air about it because I was slightly confused. I, I remember the Filoni thing. I thought, I, I thought this already happened, yeah, I which, right. just, which was weird at the time to me anyways. But right. Yeah, I thought he was just, I, I will yeah. make him Rex. And it, it was. <laughs> yeah. the, the deal was done. Uh, so the, the thing that I was laughing, not at the issue, but just that Melchine had to clarify that he tweeted this and then went into a movie for two hours and came back <laughs> to basically the great Donald Glover gift from Community. <laughs> to bring it back to Donald Glover. He came back from the movie and everything's on fire. Yeah, uh, I don't mind the retcon. I don't think anybody has had in, in the big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, nobody has had any beef that I'm aware of of making the older gentleman in the white tunic, mm-hmm. uh, Yalaren in right. the Death Star scene right, in right, A right. New Hope. Um, and I had always been on board with him being Rex because I really liked the idea that a clone could have survived 
all of this mm-hmm. indoctrination and all this genetic manipulation and stayed alive through all of these wars and st- always been kind of fighting on the side of good. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then I was happy for this blow up that people pointed out like, yeah, but that's whitewashing Rex. Right. Right. And that, then that part of it, uh, once I saw that that's what the debate was, I feel like those are two really separate issues. Right. Ret- retconning versus whitewashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and, Quite, quite when it broke out because I Filoni said that but I thought Pablo said something too at some point some tweet came out yep it's canon it's him and it was like well that was clearly an old white guy with a with a rock and roll beard and that's not <laughs> that's not the clones that we know right. uh, at the time I didn't identify with that kind of issue but it just seemed silly to me like well that's not Rex like yeah. it's not Rex mm-hmm. don't do that we don't need that you Lauren works because then they based the character design off that guy yeah mm-hmm. so while it's not saying. I don't know. It's not as horrible as if they're like, we're casting Rex now, and it's just, that would be idiotic. This is just carelessness, I think, that I'm glad got put out there, and yeah. I think they'll be able to correct it and say, no, 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 and then maybe Rex can show up somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, that's you where know. I come down on it is yeah. I don't want that guy to be Rex because it is kind yeah. of wedged in, and I think yeah, the whitewashing it's... concern is really, really valid. Right. Uh, so, but I like the idea that Rex survived. So, like, yeah. you know what? I would just like a different story of what Rex is doing during the Galactic Civil War because that's the part that I personally think is awesome that Rex would survive and his yeah. story would continue. We have so not many, that he's that guy. Yeah, we have so many people on the Battle of Endor. We have, we have Eden Versio. We have Sinjin, <laughs> right. Sinjur. We have yeah. all these people. Uh, Rex could fit in there under some tree somewhere. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. I did not think of the whitewashing until some yeah. people started pointing it out, and I went, "Oh my gosh." They're right, but I also noticed that there were people that were upset that anybody was calling it whitewashing. And yeah, it's just yeah. a character, and blah blah blah. And this is just an, you know, imagine I, that. Yeah, you know, and this, <laughs> I didn't get mad with, with the difference the way that Forrest Whitaker looked as opposed to Saw Guerrera and well, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's not, that's, that's different. That's, that's actually very I, different. Eye color change and hairstyle change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big difference. Very different. Yeah. yeah so you know. uh, we'll yeah. see. But um, I kind of just feel like they just need to put this to rest because this has been floating around for. Like over a year, like yeah. let's yeah. just end it. Yeah, or, yeah, let's yeah. And it. I'm sure Filoni's intentions again. That, that seems like Filoni at a convention. Yeah, yeah. Yay, right. This, exactly. that, this. Yay. And then later on, you're gonna be like, hey, come on, that's not yeah. it. That's no. not it. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some official statement like, no, that's not Rex. Yeah. That's yeah. Nick Sant. We're going to get Nick Sant's whole comic book, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He, he modeled himself to look like Rex yeah. with that beard because he's so admired Rex. Rex. Mm. Yeah. That's the kind of retcon I think we'll, we'll end it. up with eventually. Okay. Right. Well, something that people were actually very happy about uh, overall was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I got some... I yeah, some, well, some backlash. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, good. Well, this will be interesting. Uh, so forget general or princess, just call her doctor. <laughs> A fan on... Twitter recently rediscovered that in the 2004 commentary for A New Hope, George Lucas talks about how he needed the actress playing Leia to be someone who was young but could also play with a lot of authority. He said that Leia is, quote, a senator, so she's a politician, she's accomplished, she's graduated, got her PhD at 19, and she rules people and is in charge. So everyone freaked out on the internet by this old new revelation (laughs) i mean oh so what what were your uh thoughts on this well this came to my across my desk when our good friend chris taylor at future boy on twitter tweeted out very much against this idea saying this is not canon and it basically uh, over the course of this thread went back to claudia gray the author of the new princess leia book was like well this is news to me Mm. and then of course i think papa one point was like wow uh, a commentary track from 2004 is news now but 
there was a time we know that they say if George George said it, it was canon. They had to go fix it. I think there was that comment on John Stewart uh, on the Daily Show or something when John Stewart interviewed him, and John made some joke and and, and uh, about coffee. Some there's something, and and George said, "Yeah, okay, I'm going to make that canon." And they had to go. There's a story of they had to go make it canon. What? George was George. It's why Obi Wan is from Stu John, <laughs> right? From the planet Stu John. Is, is that that's the one? That's the one. That's yeah. the one. Uh, yeah, well, because he's asked him where where is Obi Wan from. He's you. like, "How about Stu John?" Thank you for filling in that blank. Yeah. Um. So. Now to have them, a bunch of people, and, and Claudia Gray, who's a great author, and looking forward to this book, be like, mm, that's not how I was found out. That's not what I was told. Mm. It's an interesting change in Lucasfilm, obviously. Yeah. So as far as, I don't know if she's a doctor, great. If she's not, I, you know, awesome either way, but it's still going to be a character we love. But I, that's what I got out of it. Like, oh. We're doing things different now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was less about the character because clearly what George was saying about the character is awesome. And yeah. I think every Star Wars fan agrees with what he was trying to do with the character of Leia and that Carrie Fisher did that and so much more with the character. Mm. But then when we focused on, I think, because it could be a news bite for people who understandably need and want clicks <laughs> to keep yep. things afloat, click, click, it click. turns into PhD, which is this weird, dumb, earthly detail. Right. And I feel like if we go through every commentary that George has ever made... There's a lot of new canon that we can find. <laughs> I, uh, imagine all of these accomplished women picking up their PhDs without bras, because yeah. that's a thing that George Lucas said, too. Right. right. Around the same time, <laughs> right. that there are no nope. bras in space. No so no, in space, Just man. think of all those braless PhDs <laughs> empowered by George Lucas's random comments. Uh, so to me, this yeah. feels like it got, it's something that got picked up as, as clickbait, obviously in modern Star Wars, random stuff that George Lucas said in the past. Mm-hmm. Can't be canon, but none of that takes away from the spirit of what he was saying, right? Which is, I think, what we should be happy about and celebrate, right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't actually that excited when I was. I'm like, ah, eh, it's just another offhand remark by George. Like he said so many things, you know, <laughs> yeah. just were whatever he was, you know, pontificating about. And I think you're right; it was more about like the character overall as opposed to like specifically you know I mean we don't know what you know postdoctoral study is like in Star Wars I'm sure yeah. it's very different than here in our yeah. world so uh, yeah I just it was just funny how people kind of latched onto that for that reason, like you're saying, yeah. the sound bite, the clicks. So yeah. do you want her to have whatever, like PhD is too earthly for me. It so if in earthly. Claudia Gray's novel uh, that's coming out, if we learn that she graduated from whatever the Alderanian Academy is, yeah. yeah, would you want her to have like a new title, a new honorific? What would you want her to have studied? Um. Yeah, I think that sh- showing that she had some sort of education would be great. Yeah, I don't think that that's a, a bad thing. But yeah, giving it a name like a PhD, it just I don't know. I don't want to say. It. I don't know. It just it. You don't want her to have a master's in communication or something really like <laughs> right. earthly like that. I could no. see like a political science. Yeah, you know? okay. that would make Poli-sci. some sense. Poli sci major that yeah. could make some sense. Yeah, and absolutely. I think you're right. There's probably some kind of equivalent, and and I'm sure we can now now they can go figure that out. But yeah. but unfortunately, you got this thing with. Claudia Gray probably has this great book coming that doesn't touch upon that. Yeah, right. you know, that she might be like, wait a second, maybe they're rewriting it, <laughs> yeah. reprinting Can we some do of the another, books. Just do it, do it, do a reshoot, do a reshoot <laughs> on your book. Yeah, we have to add a week in case George said something in two thousand four. Oh, right. 
old right. canon. Uh, so let's talk about the new writer for Star Wars 9. Oh, yeah. 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 Lucasfilm has brought in a new writer for Star Wars Episode 9. Writer Jack Thorne has been hired to revise the previous draft of the script that Colin Trevorrow and his writing partner Derek Connolly wrote. Mm-hmm. Jack Thorne is best known for his work on British shows like The Fades and The Last Panthers, but the question on a lot of people's minds is, who the heck is this guy? And what is he going to be bringing to this, uh, to this? I mean, the final chapter yeah. of the saga? This is huge. This chance for us to talk about it, obviously. This is what we love to do in Force Center. Um, go talk about the news elsewhere and come back and really get into it uh, with our points of view. And I think this is overall a good thing. What's interesting is the thing he's most know, known for, maybe publicly, is, is this Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which oh. was not received well. New. Mm. So it, it's received well, I think, when people see the show live. I've talked to like two or three right. people who like enjoy the experience and then get caught up in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for people who just read the transcript, not the transcript, but you know, the, the script, yeah. uh, it, it's scary to people because it's really revisionist and it is it, jk rowling it's mm. her I- ideas yeah as well as his but it's very messing with the mm. canon messing with what people love about harry potter mm. so i think uh. that is a thing that might pe- make people nervous Ooh. about this guy well it's a weird it's a weird combination because if if just he tries that approach again there might be people in lucasfilm are like yeah that's great we don't care <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. wasn't the planet it was another planet it yeah. blew up uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear some of that stuff going on uh, i don't know jennifer where do you come down on this i don't know who the i mean i'm sorry i don't know who this guy is um and i do feel like there this person has their work cut out for them mm-hmm. because now we know we, they have to reshape the Leia story. Mm-hmm. Um, now we also know from the Entertainment Weekly uh, spread that we're going to be talking about later, there's a lot of loose ends that they're going to have to tie up. You know, that we're going to learn more about potentially Ray's parents. We're going to learn more right. about Snoke. So this is a lot of important information that needs to be tied up well. Right, not yeah. neatly necessarily, but it needs to be well. a good story, yeah. He might not be the final writer on it too, is yeah. one thing to consider. But that, exactly. Yeah. That's my big thing. Yeah. Is that I, I think it's great that they brought him in and I and I, I, I don't he's not the auteur of that Harry Potter thing. That it's all right. ultimately right. JK Rowling's baby. Um so I, I don't think that we have a lot to judge him by other than right. he appears to be a competent writer from all the stuff he's done for BBC and that. Yeah, successful mm-hmm. enough. Right. And but, a lot of a character-based drama type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Uh, and I just I think it's great to see them bringing in anybody else because I have my doubts personally about right. Colin Trevorrow. So, so, so to see them say this early in the process, like, yep, we need more hands in here, and I don't think he's going to be the last. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, and which is, again, commonplace. And, and part of this being a story, other than we need everything to be stories now and that's understandable i'm in a line of work where we need them clicks yeah. too and it's it's sometimes you kind of have an exasperated sigh because it's this is just part of making a movie mm-hmm. i still think it's a little weirder for star wars star wars fans are just used to george king george and bringing in other writers occasionally along the way to help with the prequels what was it jonathan hale hales yeah. wrote them with them obviously kazden lee brackett with that that uh, uh early version of empire but it's George. At the end of the day, it was yeah. George. So for right. us to see this hot potato of of writers and reshoots and directors, it maybe makes us, I don't know, on some base level feel weird mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a committee. Right. I think uh, another interesting part of all of this is that Ryan Johnson himself really clearly put right. to bed the confusion that he had ever written a treatment. 
that he has never written a treatment for nine because at at different points in this process it's gonna be it was he's gonna write the script and then it was he wrote a treatment absolutely and now we know it's totally just other people running with the ball right Mm -hmm. absolutely i mean at one point it was pretty it was pretty set it was like johnson's got eight and nine as a writer directing eight and then i don't i understand that not materializing but uh yeah everything we're hearing about jedi last jedi sounds pretty damn cool you know mm-hmm. and i and, uh, would have loved to have him continue his vision yeah you know yeah so being the new george yes mm. i'm nervous about nine but every time that i hear bringing in more ideas fresh take yeah. that makes me more excited to say they are looking at it they're thinking about it they're trying to get it right that's true that's a great exactly. way to look at that's, it that's how i choose to look at all of the controversies and, and decisions yeah mm. you know they want to get it right right absolutely and that is the end of that news but then <laughs> we have entertainment weekly that would have just been it yeah but then entertainment weekly um in mid-august joseph did that seem weird to you yeah we've already had some other the vanity fair stuff popped up so it didn't oh, yeah. seem so yeah. weird but i was right. like really should we t- just talk about our spoiler opinions because i yeah. feel like that it will pollute the rest of our discussion unless we yes we purge it now <laughs> little, <laughs> little spoiler purge wipe them out Bruh. yeah i was surprised uh by the timing of it i guess uh yeah. and also just the volume of it um and i the interesting thing to me was that uh Resnikin, made a point in almost every little mini entry saying there are not spoilers. Right. But then he discussed where the characters were at emotionally and some of the challenges they would face. So it was interesting to me to have uh, Lucasfilm, Entertainment Weekly, the author of these articles all come together and say a spoiler is a physical event of the plot. Right. But the internal perspective of the character is not a spoiler. And at some point, like, in my journey to try to just accept, I'm going to know more than I want Yeah, as a fan, that's at least a helpful uh, demarcation to say, we, the people creating this and advertising it, do not consider telling you exactly how the characters feel at the beginning of the movie is a spoiler. Spoiler. Mm. And, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think it's right, but I think we all as fans agree it's that connecting the dot thing. Yeah. Now all the dots have just been dumped out on the table. Yep. And any other shot or any shot we have seen, we're now, I mean, the Finn and Rose journey, for me, it has been spoiled. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but but none of it was surprising, and maybe that's what they're thinking too. Bresnikan is, is a good guy. He's just yeah, doing what absolutely. He's, you know, he always gets these these articles, and it's a studio collaboration article and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like it wasn't anything. I was like, oh, I'm surprised that that would make sense following the story after seven. But yeah, just really now, now, now I do. You know, I feel it's a spoiler, and I think Ryan Johnson felt the same way, and he mm-hmm. tweets out, tweeted out as such. Yeah, and then there's more coming. More coming. <gasps> Avoid it. And then Hamill, I, that what he said, you know, tweets out something like that. Jennifer, do, are we? Is it too much? It is too much, but it's impo- how do we avoid it? You know, like I mean, I was sharing the article, and then I realized, oh, this is kind of a hashtag spoiler, yeah, because this is an image supposedly from the film, and if you want to avoid everything, you're not going to be able to because the <laughs> a lot of these, people do, yeah, I know, and so it's just really it's really difficult. I think at this point, I don't we don't need any more. We know we're going to get a trailer, but mm. this was a lot of information. But then I had to remind myself we're able to connect the dots because we have been inundated <laughs> and we have been obsessing yeah. over this for so long. But for somebody who's like at the you know supermarket in line, oh. 
oh, there is a Star Wars movie coming out. You know what I mean? Like, I would call that fair. My father's not spoiled. <laughs> right, this. my mom's not spoiled. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. father's not spoiled by not. Luke's, uh, they made another Star Wars? Yeah. It's going to be his, his thing. So, yeah, yeah. But for us, yeah, it, it's hard to, it was a little, as I was covering the news this week, it was like, every one I read, I was like, oh, please, no more. <laughs> Please, no more. And a new one. And a new one. uh, Yeah, it almost felt like, I I don't think I've ever done like a food eating contest, but it felt like that, taking something that like, I would love to eat one hot dog, but you're going to make me eat seven? All right, fair enough. (laughs) I will. And uh, yeah, and I get, they're not spoilers, like, because there's been a lot of discussion about that. Mm -hmm. They're released by the people making this. It's not spoiler. To me, I try to think of it as like, it's TMI. Yeah. It's I don't Uh, want, it's my personal TMI. Yeah. Yeah. but I think there is at this point no way to avoid it unless you just aren't on the internet. Because right. how could anybody avoid some of these images? You can't. Right. They yeah. just got reshared a million times. There's just the only way is to not be on the internet. And it's like, and you don't. It's hard for me to trust anything now. Someone uh, tweeted out after we were discussing the stuff on Jedi Council. Someone tweeted to me. I made an offhand comment about uh, you know I'm still excited to see what Ray's purpose on Jakku was more than just uh, just her family. And he tweeted me six paragraph type of uh, all 100, 139 character uh, <laughs> tweets, uh, five, six of them about what he f- felt. But he didn't say, here's my theory. He just started like, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I think it was just a theory. But you don't know at right. this point. And I, I was, so I immediately had to like just turn my mind off from it because uh, it didn't seem logical. It had to do with Luke's hand and all this other stuff. But we've heard <laughs> enough of that. And enough people get these Get these scripts, you know. There, there's some information comes from weird spots, so it's a weird time where we're just we just want to preserve this experience so well, so yeah. much, which yeah. is which is was so much easier back in the days when Lando was spoiling things. <laughs> but charmingly, that said, there's an amazing amount of information, and I think. Uh, I understand completely if you're a Force Center listener who doesn't want to continue on and, and wants to come back next week on another episode. Uh, but we're, we're going to break it down because I think we, uh, we are, are setting, we're set up, I should say, for a very intriguing saga film here. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, it, and while it gives way more than I would want, there it, it does still suggest other fun mysteries that yeah. I think they will not share until the actual movie is out, obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Um, so with that, should we dive on in to this here? We can just kind of go as, uh, you know, we'll go down our list here, uh, kind of kind of in order of how they were released, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There were eight, I believe eight, right? Eight yeah. news ar- uh, articles that were shared yes. over the period of two days. And the first one... One was yeah. with Luke and Ray. Can Ray save Luke? Can Ray save Luke? So this is a case of don't meet your heroes. You know, I'm a big fan of the replacements. I don't ever want to meet Paul Westerberg. I've heard <laughs> horrible stories. Um, so she, this is that Luke Skywalker is a myth. I thought he was a myth. And then that emotional moment of her at the end, uh, which got to me and still gets to me, still one of my favorite Star Wars moments of this little girl from the desert now standing before this legend, um, is not going to go the way we would have thought. And that's not news to us. But the news here coming out of it that, uh, um, and I don't want to jump out of order of anything here, but let, let's so we can dive it all in here that that Luke Luke is a man of regret and sadness and and he's a broken man Joseph yeah I think that that was the kind of the big confirmation yeah. that it's not going to be actually I came here to do this thing at the Jedi Temple and maybe he still did but the confirmation that he's going to be like yeah I want nothing to do, do with this which is something right. you know a lot of us have speculated on and that the story is going to be Ray trying to get him to be a hero getting him to bring the optimism um, the thing that made me 
that I thought of the most reading this article is, you know, Ryan Johnson had that great quote about, I started this whole script by trying to decide what would challenge each character the most. Right. And I think what the big challenge might be here for Luke is he saved the galaxy the first time around by not listening to Obi-Wan, not listening to Yoda, not killing his family. Mm. Right. And now I think maybe there's a, like, I feel horrible that my Jedi order collapsed and I feel so guilty that it is my nephew, but I can't do anything about it. Because the worst thing that could ever be asked of me is to kill my family. Right. So I wonder if there's the, the like, you can do something about it. I'll even help you do something about it. Right. But the one thing I will never do is take a lightsaber to my nephew. Mm. And that's like the, because that's what would, as we know the character Luke, that is what would drive him to, I'm not, I'm taking no responsibility. That's a great I I like that. And uh, are you, are you... Getting caught up with the comics, either of you. I know we've been talking about it. I've read a, yeah. de- a little details here and there, but not the actual there, comics look, yet. The, on this table, that is a stack of Star Wars comics I need to get through, or yeah. get through uh, the the bearish vow that's going yes, around. Yes, I read about that yeah. one. Yeah, it was. I, I don't think I don't think you're ever going to hear Luke Skywalker in a film say I took this vow. Yeah, but it was an interesting idea, and this is in the new Darth Vader comic of this this. Um, uh, man bond wearing Jedi that he finds in a jean cutoff shorts on a planet. Um, he had taken this bearish vow and means you're still a Jedi, but you cannot take you. Something happened that caused you to take this vow and you are still a Jedi, but you cannot get involved with anything. Mm. You're basically, you've opted out. It's atonement for something, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So Luke could be atoning for I screwed up. And it makes sense when you hear, when I had heard it before, then I finally read the comic and you hear him explain it. It made sense. It's one of those weird out of left field things, not saying like midi chlorians to me. Yeah. But I could see, I don't think Luke's ever going to say, I took the bearish vow. Here's the, uh, let me tell you that is right. I don't think we're getting that. But <laughs> the way they're describing Luke now is broken and feeling as though he messed up regret. And, and, and this thing about Kylo, he thought Kylo Ren or Ben Solo was his chosen one. And I chose wrong. Like it all syncs up to me. Yeah. That might be related to that, if not that. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think of it, Jennifer? The bearish vow. So that, that actually kind of reminds me of, because we saw, spoiler, we saw in one of those uh, photos that was leaked online, doesn't he have a staff of some sort or like a cane? I can't remember where. You are not part of old man from his walking stick. I saw, yeah, yeah, I saw that somewhere, right? And so that reminds me of the walking dead. What is that character's name? Where he has this moment where he decides he's no longer going to fight. He's putting down his guns. He's putting Mm. down those types of weapons, but he does have a staff and he only uses it to basically kind of like uh, to protect himself or protect his friends but not really to harm anyone Right. and I kind of feel like maybe that's where Luke is he doesn't want to harm anyone but you're right he might teach he will teach Ray she can go and she can go and do it but he's going to be uh, he's still not forgiving himself yeah, in essence right. for what has happened and he's questioning his connection to the force which is really interesting that he did not do, do we want to dive into that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. that was interesting too that he doesn't feel connected anymore mm-hmm. and he's at, and again he's at the first Jedi temple which is you know he's not hiding on Tatooine you know what I mean? Like he went there for a reason, maybe to refine himself. I don't know, but yeah, not not being connected to the force is big. Absolutely. 
And the fact that he has made a mistake, what is it? Mark Hamill said, Luke made a huge mistake in thinking that his nephew was the chosen one. So he invested everything he had in Kylo, much like Obi-Wan did with my character, and he is betrayed with tragic consequences. Luke feels responsible for that. That's the primary obstacle he has to rejoining the world and his place in the Jedi hierarchy. That guilt and that feeling that it's his fault. Yeah. Hmm. And it's big news about the chosen one, which we love. We all get we all get yeah. tizzy over the chosen that one. That was yeah. shocking to read that. Yeah. I was kind of like skimming it because I didn't want to spoil myself. I'm like, I'll just like look. Yeah. And all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. a big one. I think there's going to be a story about how the force doesn't like passivity. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, these these stories we're going to be uh, discussing, it's com- it keeps coming down to choice. Ryan right. Johnson keeps bringing up like, yeah, you might learn this or whatever, but then the character still needs to decide what to do in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like that idea that he's lost connection to the Force and that the Force is pretty much just like, come on, come on, old Master Jedi, right. you need to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it is. I think we're going to get a triumphant moment where Luke makes the yeah. choice. That would be a real bummer. Yeah. The whole movie. Oh, man. To just like thumbs up to Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to you. Go on. Whole movie, you cut back. He's bothering the caretakers. Yeah. You know, can uh. I get some clean linens? <laughs> nothing going on. Yeah. Here in Hotel Ochto. Yeah. We're going to get that. We're going to get the movie. But it's all very interesting. Uh, I, I love that. That, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson saying that we know Luke is not a coward. He's not just hiding because he's scared. But we also know that he must know his friends are in danger. He must know the galaxy needs him. And he's sitting on this island in the middle of nowhere. They're had to be an answer and i like that i like that thought building this character yeah building luke a new luke for a new time yeah i'm excited to see mark mark hamill acting yeah oh i think he's gonna be acting his pants off it's just gonna be (laughs) so thrilling his robe (laughs) off it's gonna be really thrilling to see i think he's going to a a dark dark place yeah Yeah. i like this idea of ray you know part of her journey again this this meeting your heroes but it it, it touches on her abandonment issues Mm -hmm. and she's still got to work through that and and that um she must feel cheated you know, and right. I'm sure she'll be angry. Then you know what happens when you get angry. It's going to be an interesting dynamic versus Luke wanting to be trained by Yoda so much, and Yoda same kind of thing of ah. Eh. But that was I always felt more of a test. This one might be legitimate. Yeah, you know right. what? And I think it is going to. I think this is going to give even more weight to Han Solo's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think Ray will be able to throw that in Luke's face of saying, "I met Han." And he was like a father to me, and he saw that there was a problem in the galaxy, and even when it was his son doing it, yeah. he didn't turn away. So why are you? Oh, man, that'd be great yeah. to give like, even more weight to yeah. Han's choice to face his son. And what does Luke say then? Yeah. yeah. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And Ryan Johnson even said that Han Solo will be uh, a metaphoric ghost kind of hanging around the film. No. Not that yeah. it'll, not not that a, it'll not, actually appear as a ghost. I just pictured him in the clouds, <laughs> Han's head in the shape of the clouds on yeah. too. But his death will linger. Some other new heroes in the story are uh, going to be Finn and Rose. Now, Finn is not new, but I think he's still a character that is still trying to run, and that's one of the things we're learning here. He's going to recover from this injury and be like, I still want out. I still don't belong. And Rose, who is a nobody by her own description, by Kelly Marie Tran's description of her character, and what we know, she is a lowly... Her sister is the X-Wing pilot. She is a mechanic, and I like this... Gunner, right? Gunner, right, because that's one of the figures I believe we saw, too. Um, action figure with her, or yeah, could be, yeah. yeah I don't know. There's Rose so many is, images coming out. I think it, just 
I think her sister was straight up described, described as a gunner in mm-hmm. the article. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Rose gotcha. is a mechanic, That's... and the quote, grease monkey, I think is she called it. it. That's what I'm thinking. Space grease monkey. Space <laughs> grease monkey. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, so, you know, Finn's been critically wounded. He wanted out anyways. Now, you would think at the end... He picks up the lightsaber at the end of Fikao. He makes that choice, but it seems to me a lot of it might have been based more on Rey than the higher goals, and maybe that's the transition of the character. So some interesting stuff, and it definitely seems Kelly Marie Tran is uh, you know, hitting the big time with a story. She will be front and center. Yeah, yeah. this is the one I really didn't want to know. Because yeah. Luke stuff, you could get close to guessing. It was a confirmation. Because yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah. The surprise could have been Luke been like, no, I'm here doing something. Uh, I'm not just running away. Now we have it confirmed. He's running away. Run away. Um, but this was the thing that you didn't know that yeah. I couldn't that, that would have been a pleasant surprise that Finn wakes up in pain, probably with the base under attack, right. and said, I was in this for Ray and I just want to go somewhere peaceful with people I like, like a Ray, and I don't give a shit yeah. about all this. Yeah. Uh so that that was a little bit of a bummer to find out that that's going to be a big part of his arc. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and that Rose is the one that convinces him to go on this mission and which we'll, you know, we'll talk about later with Benicio del Toro. So again, yeah, it was the this connecting of dots where I was like, oh, "Okay, well now I know how that whole Canto bite sequence is going to play out." Well, we know, know that they're going undercover and yeah. that's a staple of Star Wars. I have no problem with that, but right. yeah, it is so it's like now I now I know. Yeah. Now I know. Mm-hmm. So the main question is, are they going to kiss? Yes. Right. That's between Finn and Rose. Uh, I I think to me all signs are pointing to that. Yeah, I think there's going to be some kissing. Yeah, well, yeah. Rose Tico is the one kind of uh, changing him, right? You know, and she sees him as as a hero, and he's kind of at first he's like not annoyed by that, but you and know, I, and I love that idea that she sees him how he thought he was exactly. pretending to be to yeah. Ray and Han right. and everything. Right. So I'm a big deal. Okay, big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. but now he knows the reality of it. Is like I was almost murdered in the woods. I don't really feel like a hero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to do this anymore. Right. But we know that uh, they will be in uh, Canto Bite, which is on the world of Cantonica. Cantonica, Cantonica, which is my favorite metal band from the 80s. Yeah, Yeah. Cantonica. They opened for L.A. Guns (laughs) and uh, Cantonica. So that's... um, yeah, Kenneth Absol- White looks awesome. Ab- it does. It is just, it's Vegas. It's absolutely, it's it's a whole city. Has, it's, a, it's a luxury resort that's built on this very otherwise abandoned, arid planet. <laughs> we got ourselves a Vegas planet. Yep. Yeah, it is, it. yeah. And it's surrounded by law enforcement, which is really interesting. Yeah. And they have those spike wing police feeders. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of danger. So I think that's going to be an interesting action sequence. Oh, planet. absolutely. This is going to be Bond-like. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited for this portion of it. Which is similar to some stuff coming out in Black Panther, I think, too. But let's do it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I yeah. love those kind of sequences. Um, now, so, any, uh, yeah, let's. let's uh, <laughs> so we're going to. the one that I was the most excited about. We're going <laughs> to. Not just for the obvious reason. We're going we're gonna to have this twice now. So let's get into this here. But yes, we have to because it was released. Yes. A couple things. Okay. Yeah. The thing that really excited me were the caretakers. Yeah. I thought that they were just such a great Star Wars, new Star Wars character. And mm-hmm. the caretakers are uh, fish bird nuns who have been there for <laughs> thousands of nuns. years. Yeah, and they're there to maintain the structures on the island. Cool. I like that they're kind of annoyed by Luke. That's so great. Yes, Isn't that great? That. Yeah. And that they're like, so uh. kind of almost like a nunnery is go- happening. They're all females. Yeah. Being feminist agenda is taking over. Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, 
Fishers. Um, <laughs> fish <laughs> girls. And that they speak a blubbery sort of Scottish fish talk. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Oh I don't want to hear that in the trailers because I want to enjoy that in a theater with friends. Oh, my God. I mean, that's Scottish fish got blubber talk. potential to be the most awesome thing or a problem, but I, I trust they're going to execute it right. I, so you love it. I love it. I am. I am. I am. It, Want to love it, and I hope I hope I will. Everything you guys describe to me, I, I look at them. I see Vogons. I see, I see, uh, and that's not bad because I'm a Hitchhiker's fan. But like, I j- it's it's going to be a weird fit for me if it's not done not done right. I'm not going to have a super big problem with it. But and then to hear the voice, <laughs> that could be yeah, yeah. like a Terry uh, Terry Jones Monty Python <laughs> character. I should have fucking this Yeah. Oh, you come around here. Oh, we'll turn down your blanket. Like, yeah. Uh-oh. That's uh, probably pretty close, actually. <laughs> I will be high pitch or low pitch. I think they're going to be low pitch. Low pitch? I think low low pitch fish fish bird nun ladies. Fish bird nun ladies. (laughs) But I I like the idea that Luke's not there alone, and I love the idea that they're a little grumpy, like another Jedi on a little journey to find himself. Right. That's all right with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really like them. I like this place being more populated. Like they say in the article, like Dagobah is a Force-sensitive place, and it is crawling with life. I like yeah. the idea between the porgs and the caretakers that there is life. And I like the suggestion that these caretakers maybe even evolved mm, right. from the depths over <laughs> generations yeah. to be like, uh, somebody's got to take care of these huts. <laughs> Someone's got to dust these huts. Yeah. I guess we're going to have to grow fish bird legs <laughs> so we can dust right. these huts. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's something about Star Wars that that is a great way to evoke the relationship that humans have with other species without yeah. being real humanist. Mm. So that's the thing that's coming up. A lot of questions we're getting in from Force Center about humans always being the main characters and the species we get to know that we know are like advanced. They're a part of this whole galaxy, mm. but they're never really driving it to have um, this species that has this really singular purpose. Mm-hmm. They can have this fun back and forth with Luke. Right. is really exciting to me. Right. They're and big matronly creatures with skinny bird feet. Yeah, we That's haven't seen their bird feet yet. We have no, not. No. no. And I'm waiting for one of them to eventually be on databank brawl. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I'll come around and kill I'll cut you. Um, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but these other creatures we all know and love yeah. and now start to hate some people. I, uh, I like them. These porks. Porks. Jennifer, yeah. these porks. Oh, that face. Yeah. That, that was the first thing I saw, and I just was like, <gasps> this li- just seeing close up and like the feathers uh-huh. and the expression, everything I've been waiting for. What did you immediately think when it was in a porg in the cockpit? Did that make you even more joyful to see it? With your beloved Chewie? Yeah, just like that they're they're just taken over. They have no, like, n- nothing sacred. I'm just going to fly over here. What's this burden? You know? And I just see, like, a little, a little fun little moment between the Porg and Chewie. I don't think Chewie eats the Porg. I think yeah. it's a feather that's, like, flown up in the air because the Porg fell off the, you know. Right. Off, the cockpit. Off, exactly. Oh, nice, That's nice. my theory. Uh, <laughs> but it is interesting how we all have kind of gone to that place, Ken, of <laughs> where we want to eat the I know. Porgs. I feel responsible for that uh, a little bit, just teasing Ash crossing on Jedi Council uh, about chewing the porks, being a cookbook and uh, all that kind of stuff. I think, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think. Uh, highlighting the feather, like you said. Yeah, I mean, the feather was the 
the first joke I made about that yeah. behind the scenes trailer. Yeah. And then to have that combined with the porgs everywhere and the porg backlash was just sort of this, I think, beautiful, probably accidental narrative yeah. that was accidentally but really clearly created. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm like, and look, I love Ryan Johnson, though. He's like, if you go to Skellig at the right time of year, it's just covered in puffins and the most adorable things in the world. So he wanted to keep that. And so they created these space puffins. Uh, you know, and if you look at an image of little puffins, they're little like uh, bird penguins, like penguins are birds, but they're like a regular bird and a penguin and a weird face and like a toucan Sam face. Yeah. They're pretty adorable. So now we're going to get our space puffins. The yeah. Porgs. We're going to have a little bonus porg uh, round table at, yes. the, at the end of this. So mm-hmm. yes. we'll spend some more porg time there. We'll come back to that. But we uh, got these Praetorian guards. Mm. These are Snoke's bodyguards. These are something that the uh, uniform geek in me just loves. Loves the idea behind them. Even though they're, once again, uh, First Order kind of looking at the Empire and saying, how can we steal it and make it better? How can we make it look cooler? And these are literally, by design from Ryan Johnson and his team, taking the Imperial Royal Guards and making them more appear more active, more purposeful than just ceremony, though we know the, the Royal Guards had some purpose. But uh, they are going to be there. They are with Snoke, which means we're definitely going to see Snoke in person, which was not a surprise, at least. Um, they... Uh, I come down on the side of liking them. They're very medieval and also uh, like a feudal Japan kind of vibe to them. I, I like I like what's going on here. I know I'm going to like the figure, Joseph. Oh, yeah. I'm getting those figures. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're probably going to be packaged with another figure that we don't want as much to make sure that we buy <laughs> 800 of them so we can uh, make our Praetorian Guard Caretaker army. Caretaker one. Yeah. Praetorian Guard. Yeah. Well, since I, I still believe that First Order, uh, well, this is it's mostly established that they have at least some roots in unknown space. Right. I like that the design is a little different because I want some elements of it that's like mm-hmm. we are aping the Empire and they we're also probably, you know, using elements from these other cultures yeah. that are in this unknown space that we as Star Wars fans haven't met yet. So right. not only do they just look effing cool, which is one yeah. of the tests of Star Wars. Yep. Does it look effing cute like a Porg? Does it look effing cool like <laughs> yeah. a Praetorian Guard? Uh, they passed that test with flying colors Yeah, for me. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about them, Jennifer? Oh, I loved them. I thought they were so striking looking, and they definitely reminded me of, of Samurai, which I thought was just great. And in fact, uh, Ryan Johnson was talking about you know the history and how he was really listening to history podcasts while he was writing The Last Jedi and the Praetorians get their name from the elite special guard who protected ancient Roman emperors. Right. I love that weaving history and... uh as he's, I think somebody said, you know, per, if it makes you perk your ears up in history class, this is a good thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was fascinating, and that they're going to be Snoke's personal bodyguard. So I, I hope we see them in action. Who are they going to be fighting? Mm. I don't. <laughs> I mean, pure speculation on my part, I, and I've seen it going around. I'm not creating this one at all. But we did see Daisy trading tra- <gasps> training against two guys with sticks. You're right. Yeah. Shoot. You know? Oh, this is going to be. That's going to be intense. I'm looking at two guys with sticks. We also, (laughs) there's also a brief shot of Adam Driver practicing against staff people, too. So we could see them in action against Ray. We could see the scene that was, I think, cut from Return of the Jedi, right? Where uh, Vader was not supposed to be going to see the Empire right now, Emperor right now, and the guards crossed their pikes. They do, yeah. So this could be a, like, Kylo, you you screwed up so much you can't even talk to Snoke. Mm. Go to your room. And he has to fight his way through to talk to Snoke. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
there's some Snoke details in this passage as well. Yes. About how much we're going to learn about right. passage. <laughs> you know, this epic entertainment weekly poem uh, <laughs> in this uh, article uh, that we're going to certainly learn more about Snoke. But this yeah. is, I think, the one where Ryan Johnson had the great quote about it's a story, not a Wikipedia page. Yes. Ooh, yes. Drop the mic. Yeah. That was good. I like it. And yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like we, we're going to have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. all answers will come. Yeah. And mm-hmm. saying like we did, the only thing we knew about the emperor in Return of the Jedi is he's the big evil behind yeah. Darth Vader and he's real, really evil. And that was enough. And that's yeah. that's all you need to know at that point and in that the story for the story to be rewarding. Carried a, a generation of Star Wars fans. Yeah. Right. It was this mystery and whispers in your head of, uh, oh, his name was Palpatine. Yeah. He was, he was he was another. He wasn't this all along. And I like that. And we took us a long time to uncover it. And that's part of the problem. I know in, in this era of shared universes and expanded fiction and canon and everything, it's, we get all the answers. And sometimes that's not as fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like that uh, we're going to see more. More of Andy Serkis's performance. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the the hologram Snoke. Yeah, no, uh, just I did not sit well with me. So I'm excited that we're going to see him perhaps more up close and personal. And Ryan Johnson himself was saying how ex- how incredible Andy Serkis's performance was. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to see a little cheese face uh, up in, in, his, in his robe, <laughs> in his room, yeah. and uh, maybe up and fighting. Who knows? Oh, that, uh, yeah, that would be. That's going to be interesting to me if, if he gets in some kind of action. Yeah, yeah. What kind of power does he have? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, I, I feel like people. I think the Wikipedia comment is really great to just prepare fans for. Don't worry. Look at all the books, all the comics. Eventually, you'll know every little thing you ever wanted yeah. to. But for the actual movie. Just sit back and let him be let him the, be. the evil, evil guy who does the most evil. Right. Love it. Yeah. I love it. And then they release some stuff about our beloved general and Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher's final performance and a lot of stuff going in and there and the relationship with Poe, which I thought was great. It, it really, I mean, you hear Oscar Isaac describe what's going on. It's like he's summarizing that issue of the Poe comic I always talk about and won't shut up about. Mm. <laughs> it seems exactly like that they were set up where the Poe is being trained. He's being groomed with a little tough love to be a leader and not be a hotshot pilot. Think beyond just the mission and at the bigger picture, and that's coming directly from Leia. And this is her send off, and, and which is yeah unfortunate, but it is it is what it is, and where we're at. So this 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 is uh, you know I'm so curious to see how you know bittersweetly curious I guess how they handle this. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, but they seem to have a handle on it. I yeah. like where they're going with it. Yeah, I feel like I really like uh, Poe is sort of a. a Apprentice Padawan. I like that idea that that's the relationship that he's going to have in, in, in the story. And it sounds like physically they'll stay in the same space a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really, really like that. I think it's a great way to use like the wisdom and the humor of Leia mm-hmm. to really be passing on. And in it also, it sounds like, wow, every character is going to be facing these hard choices where it's just like, yeah. The future uh, or the past might predict the future, but the present is now, and you just get to decide. And we have already have like indications of that with Ray, with Luke, even yeah. with Finn deciding, do I actually want to fight for the first order? So to put that on Poe, because he could easily just fly around and be cool, and we'd all be happy. Yeah. But to give it that extra layer of he has a choice of whether or not to step up, right? I think is really cool. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, and the other thing I liked about this segment of the article was Ryan Johnson talking about how Leia's last sort of action was not. They had, of course, no idea that Carrie Fisher would pass. So it wasn't intended as any mm. final moment. But now that she has passed, that'll have extra 
resonance. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's making me feel more and more like she is going to have some sort of force action. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 That was one of the weird things because it definitely, I mean, the way you're even retelling it there, Joseph, makes it seem like, well, we ended up not changing much. In a weird way, or I don't know. Did I miss that? Did no, I get no, it? I mean, he, did, right, he, yeah. he didn't change anything. Yeah, and that, no. that's, that's uh, weird. I mean, and weird, and like one of those. Oh, baby, the force is real. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this just happened. Uh, yeah, this goes all the way back to he allegedly had uh, some input on uh, Bloodline that Claudia right. Gray wrote, and Bloodline does a great job of reminding us that Leia has not pursued Jedi training, but she is still powerful, especially when it's like an emotive thing for being connected mm-hmm. to other people, being connected to bad things that are about to happen. So if, you know, if her connection is with Poe, you know, if she somehow by being very intuitive mm-hmm. saves the day at the end of the movie, that would be a powerful right. unintentional send off to the character to let her have a moment of, you know, fist pumping victory from the audience's right. perspective. I love that. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. He said there's going to be an emotional reaction to what Leia does in the film. Yeah. So it's going to be big. Yeah. But I, I loved how Oscar Isaac also talked about how Carrie would sing old songs and yeah. they would waltz on the set wherever they were. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, just yeah, no. uh, so special. And that he, you know, Leia has taken on uh, Poe as kind of like a surrogate son. And yeah. in some ways, it kind of felt like Oscar Isaac was that with Carrie as well. Like they had yeah. that special connection. Which yeah. Was really neat. So sad. Mm-hmm. So sad, but beautiful stories at the same time. And this possible, uh, they keep a lot of it out of this article, but a strong hint that Laura Dern's character, Vice Admiral uh, Amalyn Holdo, is going to have uh, you know some importance and a history with Leia too. Um, which is interesting because it's not a character that showed up in Bloodline or something. I would have expected some of that, but I like that we're going to have a, a new backstory to learn of two other, how these two characters. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys have any theories of what Holdo's perspective or conflict is going to be mm. with Leia? I, you know, I think it might be because she's in the resistance, right? Yeah. Right, she is. So it's like, a, it can't be that it's like a partisan's rebel alliance thing, but it could be. Yeah. It could be that, mm. that uh, you know, Vice Admiral Holdo looks like a, a woman of action in some of these shots here. She's not just in a fancy dress uh, at parties, you know what I mean? And, and, and so it could be something like that. could be something like that. Uh, be interesting to dive into that, yeah. Especially after reading Battlefront Two Inferno Squad, which we're going to talk about more next week. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You have any theories or desires, even Jennifer, of like what you want her role to be? Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure because judging from the tr- the teaser or the footage that we saw, it seemed like she had a really genuine relationship with Leia. But mm-hmm. they were hinting in the Entertainment Weekly article that things are not as they seem, and that everyone's right. in a pressure cooker. Yeah, so it's like maybe she's under some sort of pressure. She wants something from Leia that Leia doesn't want to give her. She's right. asking for demands, or you know, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but yeah. there'll be more to her than just. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like one of the really interesting things that is going to make this different from Empire, because like they even say in this article, Ryan Johnson yeah. saying, like, well, there are a couple things just structurally, you know, yeah. the resistance gets attacked at the beginning. Our heroes split off. Right. One of them is under Jedi training. What are you going to do? But it's not a carbon copy. I think one of the exciting differences is there's no government and we have to be in the middle of the war yeah. for control of the galaxy. And like Empire, the war was in the background for the most part. And we're following the personal adventures of our main band right. of heroes. Mm. So I wonder if Holdo isn't uh, something almost like tactical or philosophical about mm. the resistance is going to live or die based on their next tactical choice 
Right. You know, or maybe it's even like a thing where like Leia is still about like, well, Ray is going to come back with Luke. So then I think we should plan this way. Right. And if Holdo's just like you and your Jedi <laughs> BS, you, you know, Lady Vader, right. daughter of Lord Vader, you yeah, and your yeah. force stuff. Shut up. Here's what we're doing. Mm. Just with boots on the ground, real world stuff. Right. right. Could be. Yeah. Mm, I like that. I like good. that. That'll be a big difference in uh, that. And then uh, speaking of, well. Somewhat similar, but it's going to be executed different, I'm sure. But he said El Toro's character, DJ, uh, Slicer, uh, we don't know much about him. I don't think we still know much about him. <laughs> no, we don't. Which could just mean he's just a small part of this uh, story or there's something more serious. Mm. I don't know. What do we think? I Well, we know that he's going to be a part of the mission with Rose and Finn at the casino. But then they said, well, how does he become a part of that mission? Did right. they free him? <laughs> you know, like, did they meet him there? So I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. Okay. Right, right, so right. we also know that he's a co-breaker. Yeah. He's the best in the galaxy. He's familiar with the underbelly of the galaxy. He doesn't take sides. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I loved Kelly Marie Tran was saying that acting with Benicio Del Toro as a character felt like there was a tiger in the room. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, like that. and that she always had to be watching him. So, And that's him as an actor. Like, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I, love that, I mean, that's the mark of a great actor is that everything is unexpected. So I think that's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, this idea that your DJ's an enigmatic figure who's tattered threadbare clothes and lackadaisical attitude to conceal a sharp mind and expert skills. And a lot going on with this little character. But, yeah, right. You know, I mean, I think it's, a, I want it to be bigger. Yeah. yeah. I hope it's bigger. I think this is going to be one awesome scene in the basement of Canto Bite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where they get some information from him, and that is about it that's, for now. You, you're exactly for, right. for now. For now. But yeah, Man, mm, I think you're right. connected. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great to have someone like him, you know, and again, just because you have a great actor doesn't mean you have to use the character in every scene or yeah. every part of the story. You know, that's what you're getting. You're getting these good par- characters to be uh, spices on this meal, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But again, my 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 anticipation for Canto Bite and whatever's going on there is is high. Yeah, it's going to be the, one of the best parts for sure. Uh, and then we have Ray. Mm-hmm. The that kind of it. I felt like that this one did it have a lot to it. Jennifer, you've got some notes there. Did this this one didn't feel like it had a ton of info to me. No, it was interesting because it felt like it was speaking directly to the fans in that <laughs> basically you're not going to find out everything about her backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, I think her parents just are, I don't want to say regular people, but they're just not as important as people are making them to be. And in fact, Ray is perhaps going to learn that they're less important than she, even she may mm-hmm. think. Okay. And that she's got to, you know, just because this, this is her past, it doesn't mean that it's going to dictate her future. Right. And that's kind of what they kept talking about is yeah, because Johnson says, to me, it's important, me and her family, it's important so far as it's important to her. And I think it's important to her in terms of what her place is in all of this is. Uh, what's going to define her in this story, question mark? She was told in the last movie that the answer's not in the past. It's looking forward. But she's shown up on an island to talk to this hero from the past. So a lot of stuff. But yeah, right up top, it says, you know, that sounds like what he's saying. Eh, I don't know if it's important. It's important to her. Mom and dad are important to her. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm lowering my expectations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, Ryan Johnson has said again and again about how much story is going to drive it. So yeah. whatever is revealed has to be powerful. Yeah. So if it is just your parents didn't want you and they dumped you on a planet and you happen to be force sensitive and none of us have ever met you before, that might be powerful. Right. 
you, how how you managed to make her Kenobi's granddaughter or a clone of a flake of Palpatine's <laughs> wrinkled flesh <laughs> without doing the PowerPoint presentation uh. in the middle of the movie, that to me remains the like, what is a simple, powerful thing as powerful as Vader just saying, I am your father. Right. And you don't need to be like, well, wait, but how? Explain it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, a skin flake clone. Skin flake. My new nightmare. <laughs> my new nightmare. But Daisy Ridley has been saying ever since I think it was last year or even maybe the year before, she's been saying like people are so obsessed with my parents. Like it's not going to be that important. Right. My future is more important. Where I'm going is more important. So I think everyone's trying to t- tamper everyone's expectations. These are fun nerd times to live in yeah. because this is the stuff we love. This is the articles and the shows and everything and. We, we're going to talk about it. We have talked about it. And I and part of me still wants it to be Kenobi. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. But it, it is kind of funny that eh, sometimes the answer is just it's Snoke. Yeah. 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 And I think I think there's still a possibility that they are dampening expectations. That right. She is very connected. But their point is could be that she's a 50-50 DNA mix of Kenobi and Palpatine. And the point is your your past doesn't necessarily dictate your future, your which future. is a really powerful thing to say in Star Wars where everybody is trying to tell their Progeny, what their destiny is, mm-hmm. right? Which, right. which also then ties into what you're talking about—a theme, the theme of choice. Yeah, and just mm-hmm. like, well, here's what happened. Here's where you came from. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You've got a lightsaber. You have force. What are you going to do now? Right. right. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. I like it. And then the final one, which I'll be honest, until you sent it, Jennifer, I was like, oh, this kept going. <laughs> <laughs> this kept it going. Did. Eight parts. <laughs> yes. This was the eighth hot dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this is the point where you're doing the like. <laughs> I'm going to win this state fair. <laughs> water. <laughs> Give me sugar and water. So this one is just a uh, dump of and the rest. And yeah, the rest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it's about Kylo Ren, Phasma, Chewie, and Maz, right? Right. right. And Maz, who we're not, you know, not going to get as much of her. Like, I, That's about I wasn't all expecting we, to get a lot of yeah. her. Yeah. Jennifer, you got, you got good notes, as always. Yeah. So with Kylo Ren, the big question was, like, how has he dealt with murdering his father? That's mm. the question that he's going to be wrestling with. Um, and uh, as I remember J.J. Abram also um, compared this, but Ryan Johnson said the same thing, where Ben Solo's shift to darkness is symbolic with the treacherous road through adolescence. Mm. Which I think is where that kind of that funny meme has gone around where you know Kylo Ren is this emo teenager. Yeah. But JJ talked about that as well. Right. Um right. so yeah, seeing how he's navigating that. And also that he's gonna be like a typical teenager, he's gonna push away from things that are familiar, things that right. you know, that his parents basically wanted him to do or that his family wanted him to do. And right. he's rebelling against that. Hmm. Oh, Kylo. But not I mean, that's you... not anything new, right? I mean that was like No. Nah. 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 I mean, I think maybe they might tease something interesting out of, from the audience's perspective, he had it pretty great. Mm. Yeah. Oh, had right. two parents that we really admire. So not just, I killed my father in the general mythic sense. Like, you didn't kill a father. You killed Han Solo. <laughs> right. And Ray, even already in The Force Awakens, they had a little bit of a back and forth about that. Mm. Of, right. You were so lucky to have parents, and Ray sees Han as this great father figure. Right. So maybe he has a, a little bit of a mirror moment where, like, I had it pretty good, and I rebelled against nothing. Mm, right. That's good. Right. And I'll say this, though. I like his spaceship. Oh, spaceship right. Sure, is that great. was new. Mm-hmm. The TIE silencer, based off his granddad's uh, TIE advanced, for sure. A little bit of a TIE interceptor look in there, too. You know what? You said it earlier, Joseph. If stuff's cool, that's part of Star Wars. <laughs> it's a huge part. And that looks cool. It looks yeah, so cool. That was yeah. cool. 
uh, that was something that was leaked, though, right? Wasn't that leaked? It had been out for a little bit, a while, yeah, yeah. while ago. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that was a straight up leak. Yeah, yeah. Um But then Captain Phasma, mm-hmm. that was neat. Uh, well, I mean, not again, not really anything new, except that they basically were like, "Yeah, she's cool looking. Yeah. We like Gwendolyn Christie. Let's get her into action." Yeah, <laughs> so she's going to do some actual fighting. Yeah, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. Um, yep, maybe without yep. the helmet because she's Gwendolyn got, Christie is such a great actress. She's got that pike. Oh yeah, the pike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Read some stuff on that. Yeah, we got the comic coming out. We got a lot of Phasma, the novels we know by mm-hmm. Delilah uh, S. Dawson, the comic book, which will show how she escaped from the trash compactor. Um, uh, a lot coming to this character, which is interesting. So we'll see. Uh, we know there's going to be more of her, but yeah, going forward, you know, could they, could this be a character that rises above the cool mask mm-hmm. and actually has some importance? Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like, didn't they just explicitly say she is going to fight Finn? Yeah. Yeah, so that was right. That was new, yeah. One of the just, like, straight up, here's here's what you can look for. (laughs) Uh, This is coming. Yeah, and that, to me, that either that happens second act when, you know, they're they're doing their espionage, they're doing Canto Bite, or that leads to... If this is a little bit of a war movie, is the third act just really all of our characters coming together and going fight? Just, just resistance versus first order head to head, and that's one of the matchups yeah. in this big old <laughs> event. Oh, yeah. Undercard, the main event. It's the undercard, yeah. yeah is it the yeah. undercard Finn versus Phasma in a vengeance match? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You are you're clearly a writer because that's, <laughs> that's totally it. Now I can see how it's all piecing together. That yeah. is definitely the third act. It's going to end. Oh, with a lot of, of action. And then it's going to carry us into nine, which is going to be also right. a lot of right. action. Yeah. Um, right. And I love the stuff about Chewy that yeah. he got here. That he, he is in mourning, but it's not going to be depressed Chewy. He's a little more volatile. I think he's going to eat this pork. No. No. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I like the stuff on Chewie, you know, because Chewie, we love Chewie, man. And when Chewie didn't get that moment with Leia, the, the, even Abrams admits uh, I should have done that. Yeah. yeah. So this is an important thing. He is out taking Ray, the future of the galaxy, possibly, to meet the old future, uh, the old former future of the galaxy. So uh, Chewie, to me, is not, never a throwaway character. Nope. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued. All this pork stuff we're going to talk about here in a bit, but uh, I'm intrigued by what's going on there. And that shot of Chewie at the campfire, which now I know is Chewie. I look closer at the video. After I initially thought it was Ray. Um, <laughs> sorry, Daisy Ridley. Um, you know, I love that Chewie's still sitting around here. Yeah, I mean, I think Chewie, I like the way they're presenting this. Like, Chewie is your emotionally uptight parent who goes to the garage to fiddle with stuff. And, like, that's okay. Mom or dad are just working it out in the garage yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. And, like, we saw that in Empire. What does he He doesn't just sit there in prison while Han gets tortured. He fixes 3PO. Right. And what does he do? He gets in the cockpit with Lando, and he just keeps moving and keeps his head up. Keeps and that's how forward. he deals with his little Wookiee feelings. Yeah. Right. And I like to see that. It's like, well, I'm Ray's guardian. Got these porks to mess around with. Just yep. keep going. Just keep... Keep on keeping on. Keep, Keep on, on flying, Chewie. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, Maz Kanata. Mm. Got some Maz, but not as uh, not as much Maz, Jennifer. No, I'm glad that she'll be that she'll be in the film at all. Quite honestly, right. uh, But Red Johnson said that she will show up for an important moment in right. the film. I don't know what that means. I'm just happy that we're going to see her at all. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Know? And I wouldn't have expected her to be in there more. It would have yeah. seemed a bit. Much or, or an odd choice to be like, you oh, you guys like Mavs? Now she's part of the resistance. Like, let's keep her what we need, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm good with that. Yeah. I still think she's Leia counseling. Leia counseling? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That could work. Oh, I like I mean, that. that's what she does is she helps people on their journeys. So, yep. yeah. That's my prediction for, for good old like Maz. That. 
So out of all of this, there's a lot of information, a lot of stuff to break down. And sure, some of it leads us in directions with the plot. But I, again, yeah, I, I understand what Disney and Lucasfilm and everyone uh, at EW is saying. We're not spoiling things. We're just setting the table. The yep. dinner is yet to be served. Yep. But obviously, sometimes it gets a little... Little, little catchy because a uh, little, little touchy. Those, those, those we, we, we start getting taste for what is going to be served, and that's where it gets a little weird. But I love all the stuff. It looks good, Joseph. This mm-hmm. stuff, it looks like like we were saying earlier. It looks like cool Star Wars. It does look like cool Star Wars. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so, shall we go into just a little bit of Porg and Porglash? Yeah, absolutely, and Joseph. I'll, I'll give the floor to you here. But yeah, Porgs uh, emerged around the time of after Celebration, right? More D twenty three. There was some. Leaked stuff going around. And then they were in the behind the scenes, which is their big coming out party. Yeah, that was the big (laughs) hello world. (laughs) But now the world fell for porgs. And as the world sometimes does, there's a porg lash as well. Joseph, what do we have? Yeah, so we have, I think, initial holy mother, these porgs are amazing. Look at they're cute, they're weird. And what? Luke isn't entirely alone. That lonely Luke Twitter feed is invalidated because he has space puffins. What? Love. And then, of course, people are too much. And now we are. With all of this information, mm-hmm. juicy information, we're mostly still talking about porgs. If you <laughs> yes. just scan social media, uh, not, nobody's going like, "Well, but who is Holdo?" They're just, "Do you like porgs? Are you mad at porgs? Is it too much porgs?" <laughs> so I just wanted to start by getting your taking your porg temperature. Right, uh, Jennifer, you are ride or die porgs, right? I am, but I understand why. Not that there's a backlash, but it's but there is a lot of porg fan art, uh, constant references to porg. And I can understand that if you're not like in love with them, you might be like, all right, shut up about the porgs. Yeah. You know, I may, and maybe somebody's like, well, I don't even get the porgs. Why are you guys talking about it? So I understand where the backlash is coming from. I okay. really do. Okay. But no backlash in your heart. No, I love them. I love them. I think it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun thing for us to enjoy. Uh, we're going to get some things. I, no, I'm not going to even go because see, there's already spoilers that are happening. You guys. Oh, you know are, pork spoilers? I know pork spoilers. Gosh dang oh, it. Oh, man. Did because you the went pork into mania the... is high, so people are trying to just find out everything they can about the porgs. So you like went to the pork dark net. And... No, this was just on regular Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's not a true oh, spoiler. Let's be, it's not really a true oh, okay. spoiler. Pork but... TMI. Pork, pork TMI. TMI. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Ken, where are you at? I know you you are uh, you are funny as hell, and you have uh, made your your yeah. your pork jokes. Yes, and and uh, changed the conversation. But where are you at in your heart of hearts about porks? That you just touched on right there. I was having fun and joking, and. I actually like the porks. Yeah. I think they're cute. I, the, in reading how Ryan Johnson came about them, that makes perfect sense. I don't think they uh, will talk about the relation to Ewoks, but people tweeting about that or the new Jar Jar. No, unless that porg is flying the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> then and I'll farting. Have a, and, yeah. And farting. And going, Yosa. Then I'll have a problem with yeah. it. Yeah. But I don't think it is. I think it's just some, uh, the, the fact that we have that book, Chewing the Porgs, coming out means something happens enough to where they stand out and these pictures kind of come out and confirm. Um, do I think Chewie's going to just gulp one down? No, absolutely not. Is it fun to say it? Is it fun because that's part of Star Wars fandom is yeah. also poking a little fun at things? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, then it just got a you know it, it was our poor backlash was already starting to go strong though, but which is the natural, unfortunately, the natural wave of things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm all I'm I'm with you both. I like the pork because I think they're going to be. Uh, I was going to say a little flavor thing, but that sounds like another eating <laughs> joke. Sounds like another. Eaten. I think they're going to be a little flavor thing that gets expanded uh, in in chewy in the porgs, but I think they are fascinating in that it is just it's porg mania. Yeah, right now. Uh, but one of the other interesting issues I think about them is this is really throwing in our face the truth of Star Wars that I think fans are divided on mm-hmm. is that visually, aesthetically, it is a balance between badass and cute. Mm. We have the spectrum from Vader to Porg, from like Cad Bane to Ewoks. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you like it or not, it is part of what Star Wars is. So do you guys feel like the Porgs are pushing the cute meter too far and we need like more Praetorian guards to balance. <laughs> well, A, do you even agree with this badass no. cute balance that I'm proposing? I, and I do. Where, do you, where yeah. do you think the Porgs land? I, I do, I do. I think the Porgs will be definitely more on the cuter side. It's that grumpy cat face they got going on. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do more than chirp again, which I think they're not, they're not characters, you know what I mean? Which is a big difference. But yeah, I think Star Wars has that fine fine line that 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 i talk about that mythical it's it doesn't feel like star wars stuff but to me but so to me the porks feel star wars like it doesn't it doesn't seem out of the norm that on this little island planet in the middle of the ocean that there'd be these little like seagull penguin space puffins like i totally get it so but um there is yeah yeah if if, if this was an entire movie about that, that there wouldn't be the balance so uh, that i i I, I absolutely think there. What you're talking about exists. Um, the balance is is three Praetorian guards to two porgs. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me a while to get to my math. Okay, <laughs> uh, Jennifer, how do you feel about? Because you like quirky characters, you often gravitate towards the ones that are specifically cute. Mm-hmm. But you like plenty of just the kind of quirky, weird side characters. How do you feel about? Are they too cute? Do we need cute? Are you mad when there isn't enough cute in a Star Wars movie? There, there has. This is what makes Star Wars mm-hmm. are these quirky, sometimes cute characters. Sometimes they're not tr- traditionally cute. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Porgs, yeah, they're they are adorable, but they're not like cuddly teddy bears like the Ewoks look. You know, the, right. the Porgs are essentially birds, right? Mm-hmm. But they just have these, like you said, grumpy cat faces that kind of make them look cute. But I think this uh, this idea when I see people sort of on my YouTube channel that get mad at me, mm-hmm. where they're like, <laughs> I want, you know, I just want to see the Old Republic. I just want to see Darth Plagueis. I just want to see, like, they want that all the time, but if you only had that all the time, it would not be Star Wars. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it does appeal to kids of all ages. Right. And so, yeah, there are these cute little characters just like in real life. We have bugs that are adorable. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would yeah. be a different uh, world that we lived in if we didn't have any cute animals. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my, I think that you, there is a balance. I like the Praetorian Guards, mm-hmm. but I love me some Porgs. And the fact that they coexist in this world together is what makes it Star Wars for me. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I like to see, BB-8 was definitely on the cuter side of things, mm. but not because mm-hmm. he's a droid, not as anthropomorphized mm-hmm. uh, as an animal. And I think that's great. I like my salacious crumbs who are like, yeah. you're a quirky, weird, full personality. Cute, maybe, <laughs> arguably. <laughs> it's a taste issue. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, but then something like porks that are like, you are straight up cute. In a way, I like that because we haven't yeah. had, we've veered toward that, but we haven't had it since, I don't think, the Ewoks where it's straight up like, that's cuddly. Those are big eyes. 
they kind of belong right. on a Lisa Frank, you know, <laughs> poster trapper keeper. Oh. And I'm fine with that because I think that is a part of the balance. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when people are just about Star Wars only if it is evil people in armor. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I, that's, a, that's a part of Star Wars, but so is cute things. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about real briefly because I know we're getting long on this episode. What fuels the idea, do you think, that anything cute in Star Wars is a cash grab? I think just cynicism. Always has been to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think at any point did George Lucas say, I need to design plush toys to fight on Endor. I think, if anything, he wanted to show how the small bear-like creatures with no technology could help to defeat evil. You yeah. know? And I think that's, and then along the way, yeah, it's a little something for kids. Same with Jar Jar. I, I, knowing George that we do, he didn't need to design toys. He was already making a fortune off of toys that yeah. were spaceships and figures. Um, I don't think there's any thought of that, and just like I don't think there is anything now. To hear Ryan Johnson to describe it, to read it, there's no way that that was a cash grab, but it's going to turn into one, and then cynicism will take it down that path of, oh, they just wanted plush porks. Yeah. Which, by the way, I want plush porks. Absolutely. Who doesn't? Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. people who think it's a cash grab. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, how do you, I know this one has stuck in your craw. We've talked about it uh, off air. Yes, it has. Because again, people are commenting on my YouTube channel about the Forces of Destiny, saying that it's a cash grab, that they may only made the series because they wanted to make toys. But I just don't, like you're saying, I mm. just don't believe that that's what Lucasfilm does. When they said, okay, so we got to make money. So let, let's yeah. design these cute little furry, you know, bird-like creatures that are going to have big eyes and look like Grumpy Cat. That's not mm-hmm. how this, it is story driven. And I think you're absolutely right. It is, it's just cynicism or that people just don't like it and they just want to, you know, uh, right. cast it off as just, eh, it's just a cash, cash grab because yeah. I don't like it. So there, it doesn't appeal to me. So it's, it's only appealing to like, you know, children. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like I take all the creators at their word. When I, we create it for verisimilitude because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for me, Cash Grab is also just like uh, I did a thing on my anchor station about it of like they do they they want to tell really good stories. Right. But they want to tell really good stories because they're a company that makes money. Yeah. And right. I think I <laughs> am uh, one of the artsiest talk about my feelings Star Wars commentators are out yeah. there. I love talking about story, but I, I don't have any illusion that at the end of the day, Lucasfilm is a cash grab right. in our yeah. capitalist <laughs> right. society. They want to make money. Yeah. Yes. When they made action figures mm-hmm. of Rogue One, of all of the characters who brutally died, that was a cash grab. <laughs> yeah, because that's what yes. the company exists to make money. They make money if they tell a better story. It's a better story if the world feels real. Yeah. and mm. porks make the world feel real. Yeah, you're right. Everything's a cash grab, man. In this, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a business. It's not bad. It's just reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we talked a little bit about the will they eat or be eaten. So I think that is the mystery that is left of the porgs. We don't know what they're going to sound like. We don't know if they're going to have a, an ironic joke where they suddenly do something similar to the Ewoks where we've, uh, yes. you know, be- come to call them murder bears. Where, yeah. like, they are cute, but they're vicious, and we realize that. Are the porgs going to have uh, a twist? <laughs> I think they're going to annoy Chewie, and he's going to try to eat one. Okay, he's gonna take a he's gonna, he's gonna take gonna a bite. or not eat but fight. Like you know, they, there's a feather on his face for a reason, but I don't think he's gonna take a big chomp. I think they're gonna be like and pressing buttons, and he's not gonna. He's first gonna be like, oh, I have a friend. Because yeah. Chewie's like that. Chewie, I can see petting their head. I can see, you know, he was like that with the Ewoks. And then I can suddenly he's like, oh, 
Yeah. Orgs. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel, Jennifer? Do you think that we're going to have a surprise twist where there's a little something uh, deeper, more vicious about the porgs? Yeah, I, I think Ken's right. But for my prediction, it's just that they're actually more intelligent. So they actually, you know, know protect. Maybe they actually, you know, figure out with the buttons. Oh, this one works that. Oh, that mm-hmm. one works that. And so they somehow start piloting the Millennium Falcon. Mm. Would, it's not never going to happen. Yeah. My I, head cannon. Okay. Okay. Well, speaking of head cannon, that's my final porg question. And we'll move on to our audience questions. What is your wildest, don't think it's actually going to happen prediction about the porgs 12 porgs in a jacket make a snoke <laughs> i like that yeah. i like that how about you jennifer Nah, i like that one too you like that one yeah, too? porgs in a jacket or the porgs are related to ewoks oh basic and you can have therapy porgs <gasps> oh this now, is beautiful this well, strange david lynch scene ewoks vomit and a porg comes out uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> disturbing yeah <laughs> Uh, I think there's a slim possibility that uh, Chewie takes off with a pork. That that's what that cockpit shot is about. That <laughs> Ray and Luke come running down saying, look, we got our stuff sorted yeah. out. We need to get back in the battle. And yeah. he's like, sorry, pork, there's some time to get off. You're coming around the galaxy yeah. with us. And then it's like, like ferrets if they go into the wrong ecosystem and destroy <laughs> things. And the galaxy, episode nine, is the porg flu. Yes, the porg flu decimates the galaxy. Oh. All right. Well, there's a little, little talk of porgs and porg lashing. Uh, we go on to our audience questions. So keep these nice and tight. Absolutely. Uh, so we always take them, some from Facebook and Twitter and some from our Patreon. First up from Facebook, Jacob Hobbs asks, in one of several of these many books and journals that Luke has that may or may not have wisdom and knowledge about the Force, do you think Luke may stumble across the original prophecy of the Chosen One? How do you think he would interpret or perceive its application? It's a great question. Those books are going to be something interesting. If I'm sure important, but I think more than anything interesting. Yeah. I love some of the lore uh, from that Game of Thrones world I'm in. I love histories and lore. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think if it touches upon the prophecy, the fact that Luke thought Kylo Ren or Ben Solo was the, the chosen one when he was thought to be the chosen one, when his dad was thought to be the chosen one, could just speak to the nature of prophecies being continuously interpreted wrong mm-hmm. and not right to begin with and all those kind of things. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. I could see it being delved into a little deeper in some sort of other book, though, not necessarily the movie. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? You know, somebody posted on our Facebook page like that maybe the prophecy changes from generation to generation. Mm. I like that idea. Oh yeah, you know that. Okay, this is uh, this was Luke's interpretation that, that could, yeah. Kylo Ren was the chosen one, and it fits for me that Luke would be like, "I'm not the chosen one, guys. Right. Uh, it's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be this guy, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Or I, you know, I think if he finds a bunch of prophecies or he found in the past and he keeps interpreting them as, oh, the key is kindness, the key is family, it would only make him feel worse about Kylo. So maybe right. there's that. Uh, but I do think uh, there will be an element of that. That's a great question, Jake. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, Dave Clarkson at SW Apologist. Do you think they back up the files for all droids? Could we get a comeback from K2? R4. Mm. So sad. That's a, that, I, Yeah, right? That would make some sense. Right. I mean, we got, uh, we got uh, a lot of droids in Star Wars that uh, plug into things. At mm-hmm. the end of the night, you plug in and download some things. Yeah, why not? You know, a lot of people thought K2, maybe because he did that with the other enforcer droid, security droid, that maybe K2 lived on in another droid. Oh, in the other security uh, droid. Yeah. 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 I don't uh, think so, but it's possible. A little search for Spock action there. All right. Because you got to imagine at one point you could take CPO, CPO, 3PO's brain and put him in another droid, right? Sure. Yeah, why not? Be like yeah. a hard drive. 
That's a yeah. great question. I mean, maybe there's like cloud, the cloud, the iCloud. Yeah. Oh, the you droid know? cloud? Yeah, yeah the droid cloud. cloud. Yeah. Droid cloud, yeah. I mean, if we do that for our phones, of course you do that for your droid. <laughs> yeah. Or droid phone, right? Your droid, your droid phone, yeah, yeah. I like this. I want to see this story. I want to see this story where 3PO basically gets his memory uh, back. Mm-hmm. He's like, you wiped all of that from me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So a great question. I think that would be a great story to tell. Here are the questions from our Patreon. Uh, Guillaume GB. And as always, if you want us to say your names correctly, send it the phonetic spelling to make sure we get it right. Uh, do you think Lucasfilm Del Rey will publish a new canon book that will tie into the Han Solo movie the way Catalyst did for Rogue One? I'm a big fan of the Han Solo trilogy written by A.C. Crispin. Yes. And I would love to see some elements of those books brought back into canon. Thanks a lot for being awesome. May the Force and the Whiskey be with you. Thank you. It will. Uh, yes, and so it will. So, Jennifer, what do you think? Do you want a prequel novel to the Han Solo? Do you want a tie-in novel? What do you want? Yeah, I think that would be great. I think there is going to be a journey to the Han Solo film. I don't <laughs> yeah. think it'll be as like great as Rogue One or mm-hmm. now The Last Jedi, but I think we're going to get we're going to get some stuff. Yeah, comics, novel. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It totally makes sense. Uh, we already got the Han Solo five-issue run. Let's go back to that time frame. That one was after New Hope, setting it up. And then, of course, you know, we'll probably, you know, Woody Harrelson's character might have some kind of backstory, might figure in, and hey, maybe you get uh, an author like A.C. Crispin to come back in, much like with Timothy Zahn, and here, do another shot. Because yeah. we did take a lot from this, if that ends up being true, or people like this. And hey, go for it. You understood Solo at this point. Give it another go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she's passed away. Oh. So, well, unfortunately, then that, that's not going to happen. That won't happen, oh. uh, the comeback. But I think that respect for that trilogy, if they pulled a ton from that trilogy... I hope that they do kind of acknowledge it, uh, give a shout out in the credits or mm-hmm. in any sort of prequel book. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll get a prequel book because that'd be a prequel of a prequel, prequel, prequel but I guess prequel. that's exactly what Rogue One is. Yeah, so what Catalyst might have been. Yeah. Stupid me. Uh, anyway, I hope that we get a Lando novel spinning out of the Han Solo Oh, movie. that's a good idea too. Yeah, but if we do get one, Ken, I think you're exactly right that we'll get something about Woody Harrelson's character yeah. to set up the, the generation before. Mm-hmm. Final question uh, from our patron dark lord jeff not emma real name uh, i would love to see more aliens in major roles in star wars movies i don't need a greedo movie actually that's a filthy lie i demand a greedo movie but i would love to see a movie that uses an alien in the same role as k2so or chewbacca what species of alien would you want to see and what type of main or support role I, I think that's a great point because in the books there's obviously i think more aliens in key roles yeah. because it's just easier to do uh, the movies definitely seem to be humanoid centric, as it would, <laughs> as it were, as it were. Um, yeah, I could see that. What kind of? I have to think about the species of a, uh, alien. I'm so bad at those mm. right now. Uh, what, what's uh, what's Prune Face again? He's a Drazilian. Dres- yeah, I like Dres- the Drazilians. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had one on the, those other books, right? Uh, yeah, and uh-huh. Catalyst. Catalyst. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could see that. Aquilish is always fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. I mean, I would like for them to do a hut, but do it the right way. Yeah. Like the way that we've seen it from yeah. my opinion. Um, I would like an Athorian. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I would like a Kowakian monkey lizard. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> and no, I did not pick an Ewok. As somebody said, I could not pick. I would actually not choose. I would not choose an Ewok. I would want to see. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. I want to see weird. a new story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Something new. I think a hut is the, the most obvious choice. Jennifer, as you talked about before, like a 
good gangster movie with yeah. the hut in the lead as mm. the sort of the Godfather character would be great. Uh, I think a Duros would also be good. Yeah. I think oh. a Duros would walk that good line of you know he's still got enough uh, humanoid features to be really emotive in the way we expect. So right. I'll go hut or Duros. Thank you everyone for the great questions mm-hmm. as always. Great questions. We uh, had a nice long show today, so you guys could uh, dive into those Entertainment Weekly photos with us. We appreciate you along for the journey. Uh, next episode, we're going to take a look at that Battlefront 2 novel, Inferno Squad, uh, and a lot more, plus your questions. That's what we like to do here. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, reach out to us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Find us on Facebook. Like the page there. Uh, we have our individual pages we'll tell you about here in a second, but we are on Patreon. Uh, $2 a month gets you a bonus episode, Joseph, and we still have our goal that we're working towards. That's right. We are building towards getting new music for all our shows. It will be similar in spirit with maybe a little fun surprises, uh, but we just want some non-generic music. We're getting closer and closer, so if you are of the persuasion where you are interested in helping us out, $2 a month goes a long way to get us to that goal, so check that out at patreon.com slash force center. Absolutely. We're also on TeePublic as well. TeePublic.com slash user slash force center gets you some cool uh, merchandise for uh, for our for our channel, for our station. Rep us out there in the wilds. Jennifer, you mentioned your YouTube channel a couple times with some great <laughs> videos on there, including some Porg-based material. Where can they find that? You can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Jennifer Landa, where I am posting new videos, or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, at Jennifer Landa. Yay. And Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can like my uh, podcast. You can just like it or listen to it with your human ears. Uh, my uh, podcast, Obsessed on Feral Audio, or my anchor station, Headcanon. And then go to josephscrimshaw.com for all my various comedy adventures. Next up, uh, I'm going to be at Dragon Con. Got some shows coming up in Los Angeles that you'll be talking about more soon. Absolutely. Follow me at Catnapsack. My anchor station, Daily Thrones, is out there uh, as uh, the season is winding down. But Daily Thrones is going to be year-round. 365 days of Game of Thrones. All right, guys, that is it for the Porgs, for Chewy, and for the tasty recipes they might be. We'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.